0: Final Approach podcast with Mario. Oh, Mario, what you talking about? Shut your role and shut your mouth.
1: That's right. You gotta know your role. <laughs> there, you get it. Day five million six hundred seventy-three thousand of quarantine. Just messing. Everybody's bored out of their mind. Some states have like closed fishing and hunting and it's madness so i mean we are the kings and queens of social distancing you know whether it's man whether it's fishing hunting like whatever like just leave us be let us go so fa podcast jumping off big shout outs to uh uh our partners, everybody who helps this thing uh, crack, Benelli, Federal Ammunition, my folks over there with Black Cloud and everything, gets ugly when you put those two together, and of course, Pattermaster. Been shooting those a long time. Uh, Mossy Oak, of course, Ranchland Outfitters, my boy Rob, and everybody up in Alberta and Camp. And, uh, heck we had, uh, we had some guy, I had my buddy Brooks from camp chef on the past few weeks, my buddy, Anthony from Benchmade and my buddy Skipper from loophole. So man, we got great things that we got nothing but great stuff in store today. We're going to talk to the folks at Delta waterfowl. We're going to talk to Joel up here in a couple minutes. Uh, check us out on Instagram, Facebook podcasts are up on all the podcast platforms like Apple, po- Apple podcast and all that check that out uh the YouTube channel's jumping off so check that out we just loaded a bunch more stuff on there and Instagram TV so we're and we're trying to get to it so all you got to do is go forward and look all right so do your thing uh lots going on uh man there's just there's just so much stuff uh there's just so much stuff that i want to uh tell you what's going on with the company <laughs> but i i can't i can't yet i can't uh i can't rat it out yet and tell you guys what's coming and what's going on but there's is, there is so much stuff on the way in 20 uh and uh 21 like we're already working on twenty one. Like twenty one is gonna about to be I don't even want to talk about twenty one. It's like so far ahead, but it's it's madness what's about to jump down in twenty one. So we got we got big stuff. We got big stuff going. So let me get Bryce on the phone. We'll give him a buzz and get him going. And we'll make things happen here. Hello, this Joel. Hey Joel, it's Mario. F.A. Podcast, bud. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. How
1: about you? Awesome, buddy. I'm doing great. I am doing great. How's... Uh, you're in where? South Dakota?
0: North Dakota.
1: North Dakota. Is that a... Was that, was that just a crime that I did?
0: <laughs> no. No, the Dakotas <laughs> get along pretty good. Okay. <laughs> Minnesota would be different, though.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, if you... Well, it's like over in Ohio. Like, if you say Michigan while you're in Ohio, bro, you are in hot hot, hot water. like That's right. it's It's like the other state up to the north is what they say, like the blue state to the north. Like they get hot. So, uh, yeah, not, uh, not cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, Where so, I'm
0: from in Wisconsin, originally it was Illinois. Oh, there you, about.
1: there you go. There you go. Listen, the, each state has its own like stepchildren. So, yeah, I get that. I get that. I I hey, I so so fill everybody in. You're a Delta Waterfowl. How long have you been working there?
0: You know, I just started my twentieth year. Wow. So it's yeah, it's been a good stretch.
1: Wow. So what positions there have you held?
0: You know, they've all been biological positions. Okay. okay. You know, when I When I was originally, you can do the math. When I was hired, I was 27 years old and I was an entry level biologist. And I tell you what, Delta has scratched most every itch, you know, that that I've needed scratched so far in my professional career. So it's been a great place to stick around. There's a lot of change, you know, when you're dealing with waterfowl, uh, waterfowl hunting, as much as we might want to simplify something, you know, into an equation or a box. Man, waterfowl, we'll never have it figured out. People will change, habitat will change, yeah. the environment will change. Yeah. And so it's an exciting place to work. And so it's been, I never anticipated sticking around one place this long, but I tell you, like I said, it's, it's a great place to, to be involved on the cutting edge of waterfowl management.
1: I was just going to say, I mean, you, listen, you, you can't be more on the ground floor. I mean, you are there, you know what I mean? And there is lots going on all the time.
0: Yeah, Absolutely.
1: And there's lots of questions, and there's lo- there's lots of everything. So, I'm sure I'm sure we'll get questions. Uh, uh, I'm sure we'll get question here. So I'm just I kind of I'll try to monitor the live guys and gals and see if anything comes in that they want to ask. But they are they are open to live questions. So we'll we'll take whatever we can handle. So so what is your title now? There and what like what do you handle?
0: Yeah, my title is Vice President of Waterfowl and Hunter Recruitment Programs. So it, yeah, probably pretty descriptive kind of long yeah. title. But yeah, I deal with, with our duck production programs. Gotcha. Our field programs, delivering, growing, managing. And I also deal, which I love, they right. balance each other and complement each other extraordinarily well as our Hunter Recruitment Programs, Hunter Recruitment Retention and Reactivation Programs.
1: Right. So give me a little. Give me a little back on that, like like what are you guys doing right now? Um, you know what's the you know if folks aren't a part of it, how can they get a part of it like like what's the big thing that's going on now? like what's the push, just trying to get more more hunter numbers up, more hunter number you know more hunters back because we've definitely lost a bunch yeah. You know yeah,
0: you know we do continue <clears throat> to lose hunters that's for sure right in both the united states and canada and that's, oh, no doubt know, that, yeah that that honestly magnifies the challenges that are ahead of us and that you know, we delta does operate in both the united states and canada but on the r3 side is what what we call it re- recruitment retention and reactivation of hunters right. um we <laughs> we're, we're quite active we we have direct delivery programs that we operate, um, we have the largest waterfowl hunter, waterfowl-specific recruitment program called First Hunt. Yep. And that's delivered in 41 states and seven provinces currently, delivered by our volunteer chapter network. And then we have this really cool program called the University Hunting Program. And we launched it just a couple of years ago, but that one is focused on college kids at wildlife-oriented universities.
1: There you go.
0: When I went to college, got to say this, I guess, 20, 25 years ago, I went to college to be a wildlife manager because I grew up in a hunting family which instilled this passion for the outdoors, not just hunting, but of course hunting, but that whole outdoor lifestyle. Right. And I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to give back to it. I wanted that to be my day-to-day life. And so when I, that, that was me, and that was my reason for going to college. And so were my peers. So were my friends, male and female. Right. That's, that's why they went. The majority of them went to go to college. But if you fast forward to today, it's flipped on end. I would say probably 80% of the students when I was going to college were hunters. Now I would say 70 to 80% of wildlife college students are not hunters. And they're going because some call it the animal planet generation. Right. Uh, But they they don't come from that hunting background. Don't have access to a hunting mentor. Doesn't mean they're against hunting. Right. But if those groups of people graduate and successfully compete for a what I call a hook and bullet job, a state manager of, sure, you pick it. Right. If they don't come from a hunting background, it's not that they're gonna be anti-hunting. It's that they may not have the, they may may not understand our value system. And unintentionally do things that hurt hunters.
1: There's no doubt. So this,
0: yeah. So this program, man, it's pretty cool. So we partner with a with a wildlife-oriented university. We find a professor that wants to work with us and deliver this curriculum. They find all of the non-hunting wildlife majors in their classes, and they offer them the chance to participate in this class free of charge. They get hunter education. We teach them how to, you know, shoot a firearm, break some clay birds. We take them on a duck hunt. And then we teach them how to clean and cook those birds. Awesome. And when yeah, and when they graduate, they're a hunter. Yeah, see
1: we, there's you know, there's a s there's a similar program down in California that I've seen with, with CWA and what what they do is later than what you guys do. It was still a good thing, thank God. But what they did is, you know, by they they missed them early at the university level, but then all of a sudden they become Uh, an actual employee of a refuge and say they don't hunt. So before they can, I believe, be an employee at a refuge, they need to see the whole side of everything. And they have this weekend where they send all the potential employees that are going to be out of all the refuge systems down to camp. They go hunt. They do exactly what you guys are talking about. And they get to see the whole thing instead of just being anti- hunting and just not hunting and not understanding it. So you guys are getting way ahead of the curve with that. You know what I mean? So so you're catching them before they, they get out. So I, I think that's that's incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm I'll tell you this, this boat called Hunter Hunter Three, uh Hunter Recruitment, it has a lot of oars. And nobody can roll all those oars at the same time. So it's all about partners. It's all about everyone chipping in all the way down to, to to individuals in their home in their community they don't yes support all the great programs that are out there and you know we need of course we need funds we need volunteers to, sure. to deliver those but man look out into your family first then look out into your your relatives your nieces nephews in-laws look at your friends your coworkers, kids and, and if everybody just replace themselves, meaning they made sure that they brought someone to hunting. For right. When they're gone and no longer hunting, right. We wouldn't be in this situation. So really, what this is all about, it's a disconnect. And man, we could talk for an hour about all the reasons there's this disconnect, but it's there, and so we all need to do our part.
1: There's, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, listen, uh, you know, I know parents talk about, you know, hey, my kids don't want to get into it. They're into sports. They're in the video games. They're, you know, they're, you know there's a disconnect right there. Like, you're talking about like, get, get everybody at your house first. You know, listen, we had all that when we were kids, too. It's not, this isn't new. Like, I understand video games is like next level. You know what I mean? But we didn't, but but we had, you know, here's the other, like, we had sports. We had We had school. We had sports. We had hunting, fishing, we had video games, we also had go outside and kick rocks like you know what I mean like it's not like we had you know less stuff to do so I, you know I, that one I don't buy like just take your kids make sure when you take them uh, you know they have a good time and you set it up right you know what I mean you don't take them on the coldest, rainiest, nastiest day you know what I mean you take them out like I, I, I did it with my kids I started them out you know, I made a, a tradition that every, every Wednesday before Thanksgiving, they're off school on Wednesday. Every Wednesday, the kids and I go. You know what I mean? We don't go long. It doesn't—whatever they want to do, we pack a bunch of snacks, and we go. I've done that forever. You know what I mean? And that's our thing. So—and I have a boy and a girl. So they both go. They love the dog. They like going with the dog. They like working the dog all that stuff. So now is my my son's a little more into it now than my daughter, but I've exposed both of them and, and I'm not forcing it on them, but but she knows what she's doing. So, you know what I mean? You you absolutely have to start at home and, you know, and I always press the the other thing is everybody always says, "Well, take kids, take kids. I, I'll take anybody. I don't care if they're 100." Like, I'll take them because you know, I've seen I don't know how many guys get hooked in their fifties and sixties and go, why didn't I find this earlier? You know what I mean?
0: I do. I do. I absolutely do. That's something that we, you know, with our, our chapter system, it's an army of passionate volunteers that just want to give back in their local community. And like anybody that's been involved in hunter recruitment for a decade or more, right. the focus has always been on kids, right? youth, right. you know, take a kid fishing, take a kid hunting. Right. And, and of course do that. Absolutely. But if you set up a program that targets kids from non-hunting families, man, you've chosen the most difficult group of individuals to actually recruit and retain into hunting. Right. If they don't come from a family who hunts, if they don't have access to a mentor, guess what they also don't have? They don't have money. They don't have a car. They don't have, you know, the, the ability to make their own decisions about time. And so if let's say Delta, if we targeted kids, which we have a lot of programs that work with kids, right. but it's all about the follow-up. You need to offer repeat, repeat, no repeat opportunities until they get old enough that they can literally do it on their own.
1: Yeah, I mean, so if listen, you
0: want to target a kid, yeah. we always say target yeah. the whole family.
1: Agreed. Because listen, it, you know, you can take, you know, listen, it's it's happened to me, uh, it's happened to uh, definitely a bunch of my buddies. We we take some. We take some kid who wants to go because right by us, uh, the Tualatin Re- uh, Wildlife Refuge. So we, we, you know, helped usher in a youth program there. Uh, and what we do there is uh, it's it's an awesome little place. There's only four blinds on it. And the thing about it, though, is, you know, the kids can, you know, sign up and they draw for it. And, you know, in that draw, in that form, when you fill it out, like it says, you know, you would you request you know that would you want help at the hunt you can you know you can check yes do you want somebody to call yes do you want somebody to bring a dog yes and then the refuge reaches out to uh my friend james who who does it more often than anybody like reaches out to him or and says hey can anybody come and help this family you know, they, they they don't have a dog. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to call. And, and you go over and help them. But what exactly what you're saying, if you don't take if, – if mom and dad or, or grandpa or somebody doesn't come with them, who's going to take them the next time? Because that's where, you miss, that's where you miss out. You could always take them once, but what's going to happen on the second and third time when you're trying to – you know, I'm looking at your three R's and it's like retention. So, okay, so you get them there and you take them out once. And okay, they had a great time. Now, how are you going to keep them involved? Who's going to take them? So, I'm with you on that. There's no doubt.
0: Yeah, no. It's it's just a mindset, right? There's there isn't any magic there. It's just it's just a it's a logical approach to bringing people into hunting.
1: Yeah. So so here's a question that just came in. My buddy Donnie down south in in Oregon, Donnie Myers says, uh, "Have we really lost hunters?" or have we lost the casual hunters who don't buy licenses anymore and he says it seems like more pressure in waterfowl in general, general has has maybe caused that so so do you think do you think that's any of it you know I don't I, I will speak up in like up in Canada like I don't I don't believe that up in Canada because there is so much space and so many places to go uh you know, I'm talking. am talking Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta. You know, I don't know Ontario very well. I know that's more crowded, um, but but the other provinces, you know, it's endless up there to go. So, and I know it's a little tougher down here. So, what do you have any info on something like that?
0: You know, so the numbers don't lie, right? But at the same time, I'm not going to discount that people's experience with other hunters has changed. Right. It, of course it has. I think technology, social media has, has changed. I do think that we all have this situation. I remember driving with my dad and he'd say that woods, I used to hunt where that mall <laughs> is or that building. I used to squirrel hunt. There. Oh my God. I and know. So, Yeah. Everybody has that story. So you're right. Yeah, and so no doubt the world has changed, but yes, we are we've absolutely lost hunters. I think we can learn a lot from Canada as as folks in the United States. United in Canada, you just hit it on the head. They have all the ducks that they would ever want and they hardly have any hunters relatively yes. speaking. Yes. As, you know, if you look at it specific to waterfowl hunters back in it would actually be. I'm kind of looking at the numbers in front of me. Yeah, yeah. Let's and these hear are it. rough numbers from a graph. So about 1978 was the peak in Canadian waterfowl hunter participation, and they had about a little over 500,000 waterfowlers. If you go all the way to 2018, there are currently about 140,000 waterfowl hunters. That's crazy. So that's a ginormous. Uh, I guess to borrow a line from the, my favorite movie, Elf, or Christmas movie, it's <laughs> ginormous. It's huge. And so it's not a resource-limiting issue. It's societal change. What? It's that urban-rural disconnect. It's video games. It's sports. I call it urban drift is what I call it. Right. And I think in the United States, that's what we're experiencing here today.
1: What are Personally. the What are the U.S. numbers? Do you have some U.S. numbers so guys can yeah. kind of understand you know, what we're, what we're talking about, because listen, the more people that hear the message, the more people that can get out and do something about it, or, you know, it's, listen, it's easy to take somebody fishing or, you know, it's easy to, you know, do something like that. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't involve much gear or anything like that. But, you know, listen, waterfowl hunting is not that hard uh, as far as when you have somebody who does it, like they have all the crap, you know what I mean? We have yep. it all. I have enough. Of, I have enough. Like if, like if a war breaks out and we have to duck hunt. Okay, I have enough stuff for everybody in my neighborhood. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do. so, so that's what I'm saying. So it's so easy for us to take people because we got all the crap. So it should be that simple.
0: It should. It should. Yeah. So to to give you the numbers, so these. I, can't, I can get really darn close because I'm looking okay. at, a, at a line graph. And so we would have peaked in the United States in the year 1970. We had about 2 million and 30,000 duck hunters, is what I'm going to say. Over 2 million for sure. That's right. between, in between 2 million and 2.1 million. Now, today, or 2018, which would be the most recent wrapped up numbers. We're right. between one million and one point one million. So we ourselves have experienced uh, a huge decline in waterfowl hunter
1: participation. Yeah, I mean that's a million that's a million duck hunters. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's where, been a big drop.
1: Where did now listen, I listen, like you said, all that other stuff and 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 I also will throw in, you know, there has been a, I, I, I mean, you have to have some knowledge about this. I mean, there's been an enormous amount of, you know, duck clubs, land leased, you know, all that kind of stuff to kind of stop, um, you know, public access. You know what I mean? So so I know that's changed a bunch and urban growth has changed a lot. Like you said, I, uh, we used to squirrel hunt there. We used to goose hunt there. You know what I mean? Like I, I get it. Um, but man, a million, a million, <laughs> that's it's a big number. That's, that's a lot a, of
0: people. Yeah.
1: I mean, listen, you, yeah. you know, on the deer hunting side, like you, you lose a million, you know, you lose a million deer hunters. Like you've lost like Ohio. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and and yeah, folks in don't understand that. Fifteen, we were under a million.
1: Right, yeah, and folks don't understand that. Like you, you could like deer hunting in Michigan, uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania. You know, there's there's a million or close to a million deer hunters in those states. You know, so we're talking about you know we've lost a whole state of duck hunters throughout the country. That's horrible. So
0: it is, yeah, and, and the other part which is you don't judge a book by its cover so taking that concept and and for the individuals that are experiencing crowding I'm not gonna say they're not but let's say point right to the individual that's experiencing crowding and that individual says man we got a lot of duck hunters in my area and I'll say sure you do got it I'm not gonna discount that but there's if you actually go inside the book there's a stat that scares me actually more than anything okay is that in the year 2000 if you take you take every hunter and this isn't just duck hunters you take every hunter in the united states and you and you figure out okay what age class of license holder is most represented in the license database if you go back to the year 2000 okay that most represented age was age 40. in 2016 the most represented age is 55. so basically and if I could show you the graph you'd see this huge drop-off in young people so what you have here is this giant mass of people moving through the system getting older and in about 10 years they're gonna drop out of the system and we're gonna lose a lot a giant percentage of hunters and so we do have 5, 10, 15 years depending on who you talk to to try to backfill that before wow. it happens and for that individual who says, "Ah, we don't need all the hunters. It'll be better for me." I get it. Selfishly, you're going to say I got have the place to myself. I'll have more access to the resource. Right. But you know what? You know, we're we're losing our relevancy and we're losing a revenue stream that
1: That's what the folks keeps, don't really yeah. Yes. That that is the number one thing. And listen, unfortunately, it all comes down to money, but things cannot function whether it is a fundraiser a business uh, anything these things do not exist without revenue and people behind it you know making the charge so uh you can have i mean you can have all the people in the world you know on the charge but if you don't have dollars to put behind the projects and 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 studies and everything else doesn't matter
0: yeah, I mean, that's, that's how our country operates. It's, it's a user-pay system. So you want to participate in that privilege of hunting? Yeah. You pay for it, and those fees go back into the management of the resource that you're, you were just out there pursuing. It's a, it's a wonderful model. It's a public trust resource.
1: Yeah, you, you know, a um, long time ago, I'd probably say, uh, I'd have to say maybe 10 years ago, you know, when when duck stamp prices started kind of creeping up and going, you know, I, I, and I would always hear it. I'd hear it every year and hear guys say, you know, oh, my God, they raised the duck stamp again. They raised this. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you guys like? Really? What are you complaining about? Like, if it goes up, it goes up. We know where the money is going. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And and about 10 years ago, I made a uh, I made a point to myself that I said I would buy two no matter what and I would just put one away and hopefully I'm helping you know what I mean you know just besides all the other things I do you know what I mean you know yep. as far as as far as being a Delta member and everything you know what I mean I'm just doing everything I possibly can to help so uh, we just need more people jumping in and just doing anything they can you know you know be the you know be the be the Delta member uh, you know, get the magazine, read the stuff online, just, just the whole tradition. You just have to be in it and you just know where your money's going too. you know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of organizations that help. So just do, you know, do what you can. And, you know, this whole thing that we're talking about and, you know, taking people no matter how old they are and getting them started and getting them hooked. And like, this is for real, like you said, in the next 10 to 15 years, we are going to lose a ton of, those hunter numbers because of age yeah
0: yeah you know and and then obviously there are people that are replacing themselves along the way or replacing themselves by two or three which is right. awesome right but as scary as that is it's it's not been enough right it's it's not been enough at all
1: well so and we gotta step it up you know and you know just like you're saying like back in 2000 you know um i think the problem stems all the way back there, because right now we're playing catch-up because nothing was done, you know, back then because, you know, the the same hunters were getting older and everybody just assumed that, hey, they're bringing new people in. And then each year we were losing, and now all of a sudden it's hurry up and play catch-up, and it's tough, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's hard playing from behind, no matter what you're in. So... Uh, So, yeah, I mean, this is, this is definitely critical times. You know what I mean? It's definitely critical I times. I mean, and, you know, listen, I'm, I'm out of, I, I love shooting birds just as much as the next person, but I always say it because I'm out here in Oregon, so we get a long season, and I, I just don't care how many birds we get to shoot. As long as I get enough days to go, that's all I care about. You know what I mean? I'm past the, you know, we got to pile them up every time. Like, I'm just, I'm so into the, I'm so into the tradition and what it's all about. You know what I mean? You just kind of get past that in a certain point. So, so hopefully more guys start and gals start thinking about, you know, the future and just enjoying as it goes and enjoying the tradition and doing all they can to keep it going. Or it's not going to keep going
0: true that's true yeah and and i think so much too which is key is setting proper expectation it's it's you know i'm sure you've had lots and lots of opportunities you know being covered in ducks and but i think to expect that to be the norm that to be the daily standard is probably going to lead you to be dissatisfied i agree i love to shoot a limit as much as the next person but that's a that's a that's a pursuit but that's not how i measure my day right and i still want to have opportunity don't get me wrong i don't want to go out there and just watch the sun i can do that any day of the week i want to be able to see birds and harvest a few but yeah we just got to got to keep the a a healthy expectation too and i think you know podcasts like this can do a wonderful opportunity to kind of help just just have that discussion help you know create a, a proper expectation and and you know and just I don't know if it's restore is the right word, but how about let's call it maintain the optimist and say, let's maintain that value system of all things that are waterfowling, not just stacking up a, a pile of birds.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's one thing that I talked about with somebody and this was, oh my God, I don't know when I was talking about this, but you're talking about expectations. And this is the first thing I think of when, when there was a ton of waterfowl shows on, on TV and it started getting big and the videos started getting big and then everybody, you went right to TV and everything. Um, it's like, you're watching this show and you know, it might've, you know, this 22 minute show without the commercials took all day or two days to, to shoot and they piled up the birds as high as they could see. Right. So, (laughs) you know, you and your son or daughter are watching this and you're like, we got to go try this. Like, we got to go do this. And they're expecting to go down to the marsh and throw out some decoys and they are just going to be covered up. And they're just going to shoot until they run out of shells, right? So I, I I almost think a lot of that put a little bit of a damper on the expectations because if you go for the first time and you're expecting it to be like that like you said like you're expecting it to be that good you know and it's not are you really going to go again or after the second time it's not that great or the third time where it's not that great like are you going to keep that up so you know man that's a it's a tough one you know what I mean it's a tough one. Like I, you know, I, I tell everybody, like if they're taking their, you know, son or daughter, like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to put in points for a, a huge, you know, elk unit and let my son just shoot a toad. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, no, I'm going to let my son's son shoot a cow <laughs> or, or the worst, the worst spike or, you know, that we can find if we, if we draw or do something, because, It is all downhill from there. Like, is that how you want to set the bar? You know what I mean? Like, do you want your son shooting a six by six, like first time out, like fourteen years old or something, and he cracks the trigger on a a six by six bull, and it's a monster? And then it's like, dude, that's a once in a lifetime deal. Like, when when are you going to do that again?
0: (laughs) When when he's fifty?
1: Do you know what I mean? So I do.
0: There's there's actually (laughs) some data. To support what you just said there, you know the particularly on the big game side, where, you know the when you turn 16 or 18 or whatever the age is in a particular state, right, right, you're in with all the other schmucks, you right. know, trying to grab a tag and if you know, and then in these high point units or, oh, yeah. or you know scratching it on public land, but when you're a kid, you know you get it, you're being handed this once in a lifetime. Uh, expectation setting opportunity. And and there's actually, you were handed a Big Mac. Then when you became adult, you said you got to eat hamburgers. And it's like, wow, this isn't what I was expecting. And so it can work. It can work against you. So I think,
1: and listen, I'm I'm (laughs) all for, I'm all for somebody wanting, wanting whether they're family member or somebody to have like the hunt of a lifetime. You know what I mean? I'm all for that, you know, but let's, Let's pace. <laughs> let's pace ourselves. <laughs> no, I agree. You gotta have. You gotta have some. Uh, you gotta set the bar low and grow, and that's that's the retention part you're talking about. You know what I mean? If if we shoot a doe and then then we shoot a spike and then we shoot a four point, you know what I mean? And then then we're moving like you know. Then then you're expected. Then you don't know. Here's the other thing. It's the it's the I don't know what's gonna happen. When we go, you know what I mean? If you're expecting to shoot, you know, a monster, if you're big game hunting or a pile of ducks, you know, your limb every time it's like, who would even go if you're just expected to do that? And it's just going to happen like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I think it takes the whole, um, you know, the whole what's going to happen when we go tomorrow. You know what I mean? That's the fun of it. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. So I don't know the surprise. I don't know. Yep. Can't take that away. I, I think that's,
0: that's what keeps me up at night.
1: Here's some, go. Uh, let me run through some questions. Some guys are checking in. Lee's checking in from Ontario. Hey Lee. Dave's always checking in. Donnie's down South. My buddy Bobby's checking in. Corey's on. Wayne is on Wayne. I'll answer your questions, bro. Uh, uh, right after I'll throw you a couple things. Uh, uh, he said, "People by him can't handle the cold." <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, dress him up and get him the Mister Heater. Put the Mister Heater by him. It's over. They'll think it's. Uh, they'll think it's you know unbelievable. Uh, Tim Donovan says finding a place to hunt's hard. He says the guides take all the farms in his area, and and I I get that Tim. I, I do. Like there's lots of, um, you know, there's lots of that happening, and you know listen you you can't and joel you know this too like you cannot blame the farmers for taking another income you know for leasing some property out like that's just you know what i mean like you can't get mad at them for that the only you can you know the only thing you can do is do your homework you know you know scratch where you can get on all the all the apps and maps and you know we freak we got everything anymore google earth everything and just and then just beat feet on the on the roads and you know and and find a place you know the i'll tell you i'll tell you what some of the smartest guys that i've seen do is you know just like just like tim's talking about so tim i don't i don't know if this is possible but but think about this okay said outfitter just leased this property and he's going to pump a bunch of money into it and it's going to be incredible okay because obviously these guys are not out to you know they got to go as many days as they can they got to operate they got to do whatever they can so they're going to pump some money into the properties to you know raise some feed do what they can water structures like whatever they can do to improve that property a couple guys that i knew would watch all the outfitters. Where are they leasing everything? And then they would go talk to the farmers that butt up against there or near there because these guys are going to pump a bunch of money and everything in. They're going to make the properties better. They're going to hold more birds. So more birds are going to be around. So you might as well get somewhere in the area where they're at. So don't look at it like a negative. Think of it as a positive. Now there's there's uh, an organization here that is not state owned or state ran but uh, they do a lot of private projects where you have you know you want to do some water structures and this and that and you're going to put in 100 grand and they're going to put 100 grand in and they're going to move the dirt for you and put in the stuff and do everything and what happens there is they've just made a private property better and nobody in the state will be able to access it for public so you can't do anything there but what you can do is get as close to that as you can if they're going to if they're going to put a bunch of property together and do a bunch of you know enhancements and everything else you might as well get in the flyway and and do what you can so i don't know if you see that where where you're at Joel i don't i don't know if that's a a huge thing in North Dakota I'm, I don't know but but the more you know the tighter areas that you get with more population you're going to see stuff like that cuz we just don't have the ground that certain states do you know what i mean
0: I do I do and and it, yeah, and, that, and that it, I'm an observer of of hunting everywhere and I but i focus most of my hunting for waterfowl you know in in North Dakota you know we we have the opportunity here but yeah and some places my best piece of advice for someone is to move it, it just it, it can be <laughs> that 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 sad it just it just can be you know you're three four hours away from
1: yeah, a reasonable
0: duck hunt up. and so that ups the ante when you do go right i put so much pressure on that uh, on that experience to, to be great to justify you know the time that you're doing and i think that maybe would draw some people like that to hang up the waiters for a while yeah uh, but but yeah you know in north dakota we're we're, we're pretty fortunate you you can still knock on a door right ask and go you right. know and it's it's not as good it's not as easy as it was uh, 20 years ago 1920 years but you ago can but still do it, it can still be done right yeah.
1: right um so uh we're doing the fa podcast uh, Joel Bryce is with us. Uh, v, your title is cool because if you just stopped and said I'm the VP of Waterfowl, that's a pretty big title. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it, it's VP, VP of Waterfowl and Hunter Recruitment. But I do like the VP of Waterfowl. Like, I, I think that's that's pretty good. So you're talking about your R3 program, and you talk about the recruitment and you know getting people in. So, so what what is the next move for? like retention that we talked about to keep them, you know, involved. I mean, is that, that's obviously what that is. Like keep them involved, keep them, you know, focused on doing this and, and, and engaged, I guess. You know what I mean?
0: Yep. Yeah, it it is. And I'll be honest with you, it depends. So, so that's by my definitions,
1: right? If you
0: go hunting, you're a hunter. Now you move into that second R. We need to retain you as a hunter. And waterfowl hunting is, is different than other forms of hunting and it's vastly different than fishing. I could take if you've never fished before, I could take you fishing for a couple hours for an afternoon. Right. I could teach you all that you needed to know and you could be a lifelong fisherman. Right. right. I could take you out squirrel hunting once, teach you how to do it. You could go out and be a squirrel hunter for life. Waterfowl hunting it's gonna take a few more experiences than that if you're a kid it's going to take you a lot of experience right. actually you're gonna to have to grow up right but what we try to focus on i don't know there's a sweet spot it's about 18 to 30 years of age that yeah. i look at and what's awesome about that is they're an adult they have a driver's license they have some money right they choose what they do with their time right plus there's that darn thing which some of us may curse which is called Social media and technology, YouTube, you can, with, with a person in that slot, you can take them once, twice, and they can learn the rest on their own. They can search out a peer group. They can, uh, you know, they can recruit their friends and There's learn no it doubt. together. There's and no so, doubt. Plus, they don't have kids yet. Right. So when they do have kids, guess who can recruit their kids? They can, yep. right? And so we're not worrying about kids. At that, in that conversation. So, we do need to plan follow up, several follow up opportunities for kids, which cuts into the number of people you can, you know, it cuts into your capacity to introduce new
1: people. Right.
0: So, we're trying to focus on that 18 to 30, not exclusively that age range. Right, but we're looking at you know. Well, I understand more of a dominant category. Yeah,
1: I mean, I understand what you're looking at. I mean, like you said, like just like we talked about before, like if you take a young, a young kid hunting, who's going to take him the next time? If, if you take somebody who's 18 and they're into it, or they're 16 or they have their driver's license, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're like, "Oh, this is cool. Like I'm in." You know what I mean? Then, you, like you said, you got them. I mean, they're in. And, and listen, the, the beauty about waterfowl hunting and and just everything about the tradition, and everything that goes into it, uh, it doesn't matter about, you know, the the first time you went to, you know, say the last time you're ever going to go. I guarantee you're going to learn something, whether it's on your first time or your last time going. There is always something happening, something new occurs, you learn something, the birds do something, there's, um, man, there's just this mystique and mysterious stuff about just everything that goes on and you just don't know what's going to happen. It's, you know, the whole Forrest Gump box of chocolates thing is just like, you don't know what the the hell's going to happen when the sun comes up, you know what I mean? Like, you don't. Like there could have been five thousand birds in that spot. You get there the next morning, and there just nothing shows up. Or there was two there yesterday, and you're like, "Hey, we got a shot. Maybe the two will come in, and two thousand come." Like you just don't know what's gonna what's gonna happen. And you also just, I, I don't know. The fire burns for me all the time, and I can't stop thinking about it. That's why I'm I'm in this industry. Like I I had to make it. I had to like have a job in it because I couldn't. That's all I thought about. You know what I mean? I thought about. Everything about it, and it's all year it's not just like two months of the year, three months of the year, like this is yeah, I have issues <laughs> I need some therapy, <laughs> and you don't want any help with those issues right no. why no why would, why- would you? why would i and and you know just like you don't know what's going to happen, you also keep learning, so it's a constant process of learning how to get better and and figure it out and you'll never figure it out but we say that you know what I mean by the time you think you figure them out they do something else and you're like back to square one so you know it's it's I don't know it's the whole fun of the just the journey of it you know there's uh, there's a couple guys that I hunt with that um, uh, one one gentleman's in his 80s And he's literally been hunting. uh, You know, he would ride his bike to the marsh to hunt when he was that young, because you could just do whatever, because you were, you were going down to the marsh to shoot a couple birds to come back for truly with dinner. Okay. For your mom to cook. And he talks about that all the time. He talks about fishing like that and fishing for food and hunting for food and doing all that. and, The thing about him is he is so wrapped into the tradition like when it could be a pair of birds or, you know, a pair of mallards just all of a sudden just lock up and just float in and get some shooting. Like like he's the first one to act like a little kid and say, oh my God, was that awesome. Did you see them just lock up and just come right in? You know what I mean? And, and he's like that all the time. So, you know, I, I think, you know, uh, listen, people are addicted in, you know, certain levels, I guess. But he, he's just so into it that even in his 80s and been hunting that long that it still does that to him. You know what I mean? Still. I don't know. I, I, that's the fascinating part, you know. Yeah.
0: It hasn't changed for me. You know, I think one kind of last point there, and I think I laugh about this with my friends. I think the other reason why we all focus on recruiting youth is probably for those that are lifelong hunters. We have these wonderful memories of sure. uh, in our childhood. And yeah. so we naturally gravitate towards that. But I think there's something that's really funny. That 12-year-old kid, that 13-year-old kid, he's cute, he's cuddly, it feels good. He's also not a threat. <laughs> to your spot, so the day that kid turns eighteen he's an asshole I,
1: you know listen, and there's there's some guys there's no doubt about it, and gals there's no doubt about it that 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 comes into play, you know what I mean, and it's a terrible thing you know i man, I just you know a- anybody that's listening or what like like the the worst thing to do is for somebody to take you and to have a decent shoot somewhere uh, and then you go and go back to that spot without them. Like that, that just hurts. Like that is just like, that's like breaking the rules. That's breaking the rules in the rule book and there's no rule book. You know what I mean? Like we get that there's no rule book, but, but yeah, that's like the main rule not to do.
0: It is. Yeah. And so there's a code. Nobody should break the code. Um, Heck you honor an introduction to a location. It's going to open you up to a lot more invites.
1: There's no doubt, you know, uh, and, and, and you have to, you know, here's, here's the other thing I always go back to and it, and it goes back to just hunting with uh, say a group of guys or a couple buddies or whatever the case may be, you know, everybody has something to offer So, you know, having a group of guys or, or guys like that, I mean, whether you're older or younger, you have mixed groups or whatever like that, like, like that's like the more people you get into your circle, the better, because, okay, say, okay, I'm older. So I have, you know, I have more gear because I've had more years under my belt and I made more money and whatever the case may be. Right. But then I have a younger kid who, you know, he doesn't have a lot of gear. He does, but he's got more time to go scout. You know what I mean? Or or somebody who has a piece of property but they don't have any of the gear like like you you got to network with people and 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 do yourself you know more favors than than not about you know you know having friends and enjoying the everything about going you know what I mean the uh, I do um like been I, I went to New Zealand a couple of years ago for the first time and opening day there is it's like it's not it's like nothing I've ever seen it is uh a party minus the alcohol by the way it is a party <laughs> in the blind with you know food and family and friends and shooting some birds and and it is I, I I've never seen anything like it like it 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 kind of reminds me of like, you know, if everybody gets together and goes to like duck camp one weekend or goes to deer camp for like opening weekend or something like that. But this is like opening duck season and it is like the biggest party and people, you know, th- there would be, f- there would be folks coming from, you know, say they live in New Zealand, they moved to Australia, they would come back from Australia for opening day to go with all their friends because they've been doing it for however long. So that tradition right there you know I, I i think about that sometimes like it's just it's just all about you know family friends tradition learning stuff going having a good time and, and we just got to get you know just like you guys are talking about we just got to get more people into it so it it keeps going and we keep you know saving some some land and habitat and ducks and and just do everything we can for the environment so What, um, I'll jump on a soapbox every once in a while. So I just go, but, uh, on the, (laughs) on the Delta waterfowl side, I know you're not in charge of any of the habitat stuff, but with, with the virus going on and everything going on, I'm sure that, you know, that your organization is still cranking, I would assume.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I guess the nice thing about, yeah, we're all cranking to be honest with You know, of Uh, course with the, you know, the, um, social distancing, Delta Waterfall banquets aren't taking place, right. and you know, that's consistent right. across all NGOs. Correct. So, that's the side of the organization, which which is probably most affected by this. But yeah, our right. policy guys are out um, defending hunting, working on ag policy, our wow. program guys are out delivering, our trappers are trapping, our researchers are doing their research, and yeah, it's providing a few more challenges, but you know, we're all working... Remotely. You know, pretty much everyone in our uh, headquarters uh, is able to work remotely. I am. I guess I'm a little, I'm spending more time as a school teacher than I ever have before. (laughs) But
1: how old are yours?
0: uh, 13 and 10.
1: There you go. Yeah. So So ask
0: me some North Dakota history questions and I might get them.
1: You might, you might get them. There you go. Don't ask me any math. Doesn't matter what, doesn't matter what age group that is math ain't oh, no it's not happening for me so i'll just i'll just <laughs> no. let so you it's know been right good. now
0: yeah we're we're still firing on all cylinders um but yeah of course we all wish that we were back to our sure. old normal and so whatever that new normal is it's right you know let's let's just keep keep plugging along
1: so uh if if folks are not a delta member uh obviously they can just go to dot and you, I mean, God, you can do everything online or renew or donate or you can do whatever you want now online. And and just like you said, if, if you usually have a Delta dinner coming up, right, and yep. it's not happening, you know, make sure you go and, you know, get your membership re-up because, you're going to miss the magazine and you're going to miss some, you know what I mean? So you gotta, you gotta think of that too, because usually you go, Oh, well I go to the dinner every year and that's when I re up my subscription and I get my, and I get this and I get that. But you know, but if you're missing those, if you're missing those banquets that aren't happening because nothing's happening, then you're going to miss out on some stuff. So, so, you know, that's just a mental note of that. And there's so much, so much crap going on. People are forgetting a lot of stuff. So you know, I would say yeah. do that. Go ahead.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, our, our phone's still ringing. We're still answering. Still, still, uh, still talking with folks. The you know our our website is has a lot of great information. Strong social media presence: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, but we've been since the shutdown. We've made a, a strong effort to ramp up our external communications to everyone. Yes. And so we have a series of videos. We actually just started a a podcast. We have awesome. One episode out there. The second one's gonna hit on Friday, I believe. Awesome. Not live like what you're doing. But uh so but it's all we're we're trying to just pump people with information during this time. And so check out our website, check out our our Instagram or Facebook page and and you'll find links for, for all that information.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you guys have a YouTube channel as well? Yeah. Yeah, we do actually.
0: That's all on there as well.
1: So, so check that out and, and you know, listen, the other stuff is, is, is exactly what you're talking about. I'm sure if you get the magazine or if you don't get the magazine, get it, you know, check the YouTube channel. I guarantee, uh, you know, there's a lot of information if you are a new hunter or how to get a new hunter involved or, You know what to do. I mean, you know, or just search that on the internet. Like, do whatever you can, because, like I said, we have to get, we have to get hunter numbers up. It just is, you know. Listen, a bigger, a bigger crowd of people is a bigger voice. So, you know what I mean. It's a louder voice. So, the more that we could get involved you keep the tradition going, you keep everything going. So, you know, that, that's just the way it goes, or it just won't be around for, you know, your kids, my kids, whatever. So we're just doing all we can. So hopefully guys will, you know, if they don't do stuff already, we'll jump in and, and start, you know, I think everybody's kind of getting a, um, you know, just a, a, like this whole virus is giving everybody an awful lot of information and an awful lot of like what can happen in the world and what goes on and you know what i mean so it's just a it's an eye opener you know on a lot of levels so um you know it's pretty pretty uh pretty wild so we'll just have to do all that we can so hopefully guys go check out the website and gals check it out do whatever And just try to, you know, try to bring somebody new this fall, whether it's, you know, somebody in your family, the neighbor kid down the street, the neighbor family down the street, somebody, anybody or a couple people. So, you know, we try to do the same thing. We try to do the same thing every year. And hopefully everybody just if they put that on their list to do, you know, I always make a to do list for before the season, like who I need to take. And I have like certain names. I got to take this person. I got to take this person. and I got to take somebody new. That's it. So if everybody does that, that'd be awesome. You know,
0: absolutely. I would. You know, to put maybe to up the ante a little bit. Yeah. On our website is a program we call it the Mentor Recognition Program, and it's 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 a program to encourage people to to take thing, take matters into their own hands, find someone, take them hunting. Now go to our website, fill in your information, the person's information that you took, just a quick little story and attach a photo to it, and we'll send a certificate and, <laughs> you know, to, to the mentor and the person that they took hunting to kind of remember and commemorate that day.
1: That's pretty also,
0: cool. Also, we, we'll, we show on our, our Facebook and Instagram pages, um, you know, periodically we show some of the submissions of, of what came in, a cool story, a good picture just to keep that top of mind for people. So, yeah, like I said, take, take matters into your own hands. Don't be an observer. Uh, I think hunters are uh, very apathetic. Yeah. You know, it's, we're, we're very we're very quick to to say something if if we're infringed upon. Right, it's right. It's probably our nature, right? Yes. We go hide in that's the woods. Right. We go hide in the duck marsh, and we don't really want to see people. That's right. So that's our nature. But we do need to come out of our shell and... Uh, fight
1: for what we love there's no doubt there's no doubt all right folks if you want to check out anything that has anything to do with delta waterfowl it's delta joel bryce vp of waterfowl and hunter recruitment i just like that part
0: (laughs) throw that one in there you bet i have
1: to joel awesome i appreciate all the info um you know we'll you know, we've always been big fans of Delta. I always I've always has been have been. Uh I'm I, I always sit and chat with Paul Waite uh, when I see him and give him a big hug. So he's a good dude and I've known him for a while. So uh I, I enjoy I enjoy him and a lot of the other guys at, at, at the whole organization and you guys do great stuff so so we appreciate it. So uh anything else, Joe, you wanna add before we wrap it up?
0: You know, I just wanna I just wanna uh applaud the the good work that you do and, and the messages that you deliver on your podcast and, you know, just given dealt to this opportunity. And, and I think I love that you picked this subject. You know, this is very near and dear to all of us. Yeah. We can't talk about it enough.
1: There's so. no doubt. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate yeah. It. Yeah. We'll do it again when we hit fall or right before fall, we could do it again and get everybody ramped up and get going. So that'd be great. I'd love it.
0: Awesome. Anytime.
1: Awesome, Joel. Thanks, bud. Hey, have a great night. Go get, uh, go get that, uh, North Dakota history done with your kids.
0: <laughs> we'll do right after math. <laughs> oh, I leave that to my
1: wife. Thanks, bro. All
0: right. Take care.
1: All right. Have a good one. You bet, You too. Bye. Joel Bryce in uh, North Dakota at uh, Delta Waterfowl. Awesome. Uh, awesome information. Uh, big shout outs to everybody that, that, uh, jumped on tonight and had questions or anything. We appreciate that. Uh, Jeff Jones checked in, Tim checked in, Dave checked in, everybody that always, yeah, I got my regulars that check in live when they got time. They want to check it out. Appreciate it. Uh, listen, Delta waterfowl definitely is a, a, a great organization. They're always, they're always, you know, trying to get to, uh, like, like the real deep problems. You know they're talking about nesting they're talking about trapping uh and predator control and 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 just just great stuff and and great people there and they just do as much as they can so so yeah support them if you can i mean you you know if you can do it do it they got great stuff going on there's a ton of information and you can find everything at delta dot deltawaterfowl dot org so that's 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 cool stuff right there uh big shout outs to uh everybody that uh makes the podcast roll. Uh, I do want to say next week's show, uh, you guys will be in for a real treat. Uh, Next week, uh, we will have the one and only Arctic Kunas (laughs) from Iceland, who is the Benelli rep, uh, and we just call him the Viking. Uh, We're going to talk about some Benelli stuff and what's going on at Benelli and what cool stuff they have this year. And, uh, if you want to laugh and have your stomach hurt, that next week's show is the show you want to, you want to watch with this guy. Cause him and I have been, uh, friends for about, oh, I don't know, just shy of 15 years, 12 years. I don't know. It's been a long time and my stomach hurts every time I'm with him cause he's just comedy. So it's going to be a great. It's going to be a great one. So that's next week. We're going to do the FA Live podcast with uh, my buddy, the Viking from Benelli. Shout out to uh, Federal Ammunition for always helping us uh, and Black Cloud, as well as Mossy Oak and uh, Ranchland Outfitters up in Alberta, Canada. And uh, some great guests we've had on the past couple of weeks too. Uh, my my people at Loophold, Benchmade, Camp Chef, great stuff, and Pattern Master. So we've just had some some top-notch people and of course tonight's uh Delta Waterfowl. So great stuff. So listen, if you want to check us out, go uh like us on uh Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Instagram TV. You can look at all the other podcasts that are up on Apple Podcasts from us and go check them out and listen to them if you had a, haven't heard them all. We also, since we record them and do them live, we throw them up on our YouTube channel, which has a bunch of you know, man, a bunch, a bunch of stuff. I just put up some new things with some of our partners and some videos. And we're getting closer each time we do a podcast about what new stuff we're going to have this year. And I'm telling you, I cannot wait till they give me the green. Well, I can't wait till I give myself the green light to, to start talking about it when the stuff starts arriving. I'm pretty pumped about what's coming this year. So we're going to we're going to get there real soon. All right. All right. Appreciate you checking in on Mario. And that is. The Final Approach Podcast. You want to check us out online, it's fabrand.com. Appreciate it.